This week on Geek Explained, returning guest John Noble swings by to talk all things Mortal Kombat. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host and viral Twitter sensation Eric Azana, and today's episode is all about Mortal Kombat. Now, if you weren't already aware, uh, Mortal Kombat's coming out this week on both HBO Max and in theaters as of this recording. And so I sat down with my good brother and returning special guest John Noble to talk all things Mortal Kombat, talking about our favorite games, uh, some of our favorite characters, as well as the history of Mortal Kombat in film. We also have our latest weekly review on the newest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier featuring my good brother Malcolm Russell Nelson and of course this week's Comics Countdown. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with this week's news. All right, guys and dolls, let's talk some news. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. Uh, we're going to kick things off with miscellaneous news here. Two pieces of uh, real-world news that I just kind of want to put at the forefront of this week. I just want to talk about two very serious things, and then we'll get back to all the silly uh, pop culture stuff. First off... Um, we have a verdict, the trial of Derek Chauvin, the uh, police officer who murdered George Floyd last year. Uh, the verdict came down and he was found guilty of three of all three counts. I believe it was uh, second degree murder, third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. Um, this is a big step forward, though uh, this doesn't in any way mean that the work is done. Um, there's a lot that we need to re-examine. There's a lot that we need to put a spotlight on. And um, regardless of that, this is this is a big win for a lot of people. So um, just want to put that out there. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, considering how everything has been going in the past year. Um, the other piece of real-world serious news is that, unfortunately, uh, the actress Helen McRory, for me, she was always Aunt Polly in uh, Peaky Blinders. She passed away this past week at the age of 52 due to cancer. Um, just want to send well wishes and all my thoughts to her family. I know they're hurting right now. And, um, yeah, so hard left here. We're going to move right on to uh, some comic book news, two pieces of comic book news to uh, keep the ball rolling. Uh, first off, over on the DC side of things, we had an announcement for the Batman Catwoman special. Uh, this is, I'm assuming, essentially going to be like an annual issue or like a special issue this summer, uh, written by Tom King with art by John Paul Leone. Uh, this is, I guess, going to kind of recontextualize their relationship provide another chapter that they couldn't fit into the greater uh, Bat-Cat story, so look out for that this coming uh, summer. And then we also, on the other side of the aisle, got an announcement from Marvel 
Uh, they continue on to give us uh, sneak peeks and first looks at the different characters that are going to be making their debut during the uh, United States of Captain America limited series that's coming out, I believe, in July. I believe that's when it's uh, when it's kicking off to celebrate 80 years of the Star Spangled Avenger. Uh, we saw the first Captain America that they're going to be running across, and now we've been introduced to Nichelle Wright. Uh, this character is being created by Mohale Mashigo and Natasha Bustos. Uh, she looks great. She looks fantastic. Um, her story, I believe, from what I can tell, uh, is she's being framed by somebody for uh, committing some kind of crime and they have to uh, clear her name. So I'm really excited about the series. I'm really excited to see all of these, you know, Captain Americas across the U.S. I'm, I'm very excited to see where this series goes and where they kind of take the character going forward. Uh, jumping into TV news here, three pieces of TV news. First off, uh, some sad news for those of you who are fans of Legends of Tomorrow. Dominic Purcell, who plays Mick Rory, has uh, confirmed through social media that he is leaving the show. I believe this was his final season anyway, but uh, he made a very, uh, very interesting social media post, basically essentially giving the uh, impression that he is like quitting because of, um, I'm assuming like higher ups or management or something. It is not amicable from what it sounds like. And this kind of echoes back to uh, Brandon Routh's you know, departure from the show. So I don't know what they're doing over there, but um, it's it, it's nothing good, apparently. Uh, we also got an announcement as well as a brand new trailer for Castlevania Season 4, the final season. Uh, we now know that Castlevania Season 4 will be releasing its final season in full on May 13th. Very excited about this. I've given my thoughts for the entire show season by season as this podcast has gone along. So it's kind of cool to see this this show wrap up i'm very excited to see what they do with the characters i'm excited to uh find out exactly where what the end game is for all of this it's gonna be a good bloody time for sure and then finally in tv news we got a casting announcement which i think turned a lot of heads this week amelia clark daenerys targaryen herself is officially joining secret invasion if though if you are not aware if you're not familiar if we haven't talked about it i feel like we have but just in case if you're unfamiliar with the secret invasion show the secret invasion storyline it's scrolls lots and lots of scrolls the secret invasion show has been kind of picking up steam recently uh beginning beginning production we know that it's going to be essentially starring uh samuel L. jackson and ben mendelson in their roles from uh the mcu and it's going to be dealing with what i can only assume is hostile scrolls living among us no one knows exactly what amelia clark's role is going to be though the uh the role of Queen Veronki has been uh, tossed around, and I think she'd crush it. But uh, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see what she does. I would not be surprised if they decided to kind of uh, left turn it and make her uh, Abigail Brand. I think that would be a cool... Uh, cool different role for her for sure and then finishing things off here with film news because we have a lot of film news to talk about first off uh we got uh some interesting i would say uh, announcements basically alfred molina he has been around for a very long time and what i think most comic book fans would uh 
say is synonymous with Alfred Molina is Doc Ock. Uh, he famously portrayed the character of Dr. Octopus in uh, Spider-Man 2, and there has long been rumor that he would be joining up with the cast of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And this past week, he did a uh, he did an interview where he basically just spilled the beans. He's like, yeah, I'm coming back, and it's picking up right at the end of my character's, you know, death scene in Spider-Man 2. So... NDAs be damned, I guess. Alfred Molina does not does not care for your NDAs, and he is just full steam ahead. So we now know that there will be some multiversal shenanigans. Uh, we kind of assumed that that would be the case, but it's good to, I guess, get confirmation of it. We'll see what happens. Uh, we also got some interesting news uh, regarding another Spider movie, that being Into the Spider-Verse 2. Uh, we know that the... Uh, the duo of uh, Lord and Miller are not going to be directing this time around. Instead, they are handing the baton off to three other directors, that being Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. Now, Kemp Powers, I believe, was the director of Soul, and if you have not seen Soul yet, you need to watch Soul. It was wonderful. I cried. Um, but I really like this team. I think all of them have the chops to make Spider-Verse something special. So I'm very excited to see what direction this film goes in uh, we also got the announcement that the flash has begun production officially and Muschietti's flash film featuring ezra miller in the title role though i would say at this point with all the characters that they're including in the film he is playing a supporting role uh that began production uh this past monday and made a whole announcement with it with a little graphic a logo logo looks real nice also kind of teases a new more streamlined flash suit for ezra miller uh we'll see we'll see what happens i'm sure we'll be getting some leaks and some announcements very soon here so keep an eye out for that we also got two very interesting trailers first off i want to talk about this because this was uh it came first uh zack snyder's army of the dead now i think i've been fairly vocal about my uh my views on zack snyder as a filmmaker when it comes to the dc universe uh if you are not aware of my uh my views on him as a filmmaker when it comes to uh Justice League, all that stuff. Go back. We did a whole series called Into the Snyderverse, where uh, I, alongside my co-hosts AJ Kincaid and Chris Carter, went through each of the films of the DCEU. Uh, but I have said before, and I said in that series, that when he is given uh, an unknown IP or it's an original film, like he can make good stuff. Like I said, my one of my guilty pleasures is Sucker Punch, which is objectively not a good film, but it's very pretty and it's one of my favorite films. So I was very interested to see what they were going to do with this and the trailer, I'm all in. I'm very very excited about this more so than i probably should be uh dave batista is leading the charge and you already know it's going to be a good time just from that this looks great it's a heist film it's a heist film so you know i'm already on board but it's a heist film mixed with a zombie film so i can't wait to check this out this is going to be a good time for sure but the big trailer that caught the world on fire was of course shang chi and the legend of the ten rings i absolutely love this trailer it looks fantastic we also uh got some looks not just at simu liu in the role kicking all kinds of ass we got a look at several of the villains we got a look at potentially this tournament style story which again 
you know I'm into, and you know I'm going to be there for. But also the Mandarin, who's going to be the villain as well as uh, Shang-Chi's father in this, doing a little retcon here, as well as the Ten Rings themselves. And unlike the comics, the Ten Rings don't seem to be actual rings on your fingers, but a specific type of ring that is uh, worn on the forearms. It's a, I can't remember the exact name of the martial art, but... It looks great. The effects look great. The cinematography looks great. Uh, Aquafina is doing her Aquafina thing, which is always a good time. And I am just so excited. I'm so excited for this film to come out. September cannot come fast enough. And finally, as we already mentioned at the top of this episode, uh, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat is releasing this Friday, as of this recording, on HBO Max and in theaters. So that is going to roll us right on into the main event of this episode, the main course, the entree, if you will, which is Mortal Kombat. This week on the podcast, we are celebrating the release of Mortal Kombat. That is right. Mortal Kombat is back in theaters and on streaming, depending on whether you have uh, HBO Max or not. And this week, I wanted to talk about just the series of Mortal Kombat. It's a long-standing fighting game series that has really taken the world by storm ever since the first game dropped. And to talk about... Mortal Kombat. I wanted to bring on a guest that knows more about Mortal Kombat than anyone that I know. Someone who's a fighting game aficionado and has personally kicked my ass on multiple occasions on several different consoles. John Noble returning to the podcast. John, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Nice introduction there for me. Well, uh, I, I I have to I have to be real. If someone kicks my ass, I gotta I gotta own up to that. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> he he says after he went like on an eight eight fight winning streak, losing zero rounds. <laughs> John, for those of you, um, for our listeners here, uh, how long have you been a fighting game fan, and what was your first fighting game? Oh, um, I've been a fighting game fan for a very, very long time. I would say um, it's one of the first games I played when I was younger. Uh, not Mortal Kombat, though. I played Street Fighter more nice. before I played Mortal Kombat. But I both I, I did play both of them when I was very young. But I would say my first official fighting game. Um, man, that's a lot. That's It was like on the PS1. Uh, this is only, like the only one I can think about. Uh, besides, like Mortal Kombat, Super Smash Bros. Love Super Smash Bros. But of course, it's like a, it's like a different kind of you know the two dimensional fighting game compared to Mortal Kombat, which is more like um, not realistic, but you know, <laughs> uh, human humanoid figures, and you're not Kirby breathing in people. Uh, so. I would love to see Kirby in Mortal Kombat. That would be a trip. 
That would be so funny. Just imagine the fatality. He turns into like one of uh, a spike ball and just drops oh, on the head, and then replaces the head <laughs> with a with a spike ball. Um, you know what? One of the first games I played, which is a very interesting game, because um, it's, it was called Bloody Roar. It's this old PS One game where you were these fighters, and you can turn it. They turned into ant, like anthropomorphic wolves, yes. or animals, or like a jaguar, or there's a beetle guy. Oh my god, he I remember this cool. game. Yeah, it was really good. Bloody Roar and Bloody Dude, that's Roar wild. Too. Me, and my, me and my friend in like grade school would play it, and uh, you know, Bloody Roar. Parents didn't necessarily like it, but we still played it because we had it. Uh, it, was, it was really <laughs> fun. It was. I can't really remember a lot of. Uh, a lot of like the moves or anything like that, but I just know I like the characters a lot. Well, I think when you're a kid and you're kind of getting into your first fighting game, a lot of it, it's just button mashing, man. Like mm -hmm. that's because I think one of my first, if not my first fighting game was, I believe it was Tekken three. That's mm. the first one I remember playing and really remember enjoying. And um, I can't tell you a single bloody combo from that, yeah, from no, that game, man. No. It was just like you, you hit the buttons until you win. Yeah, but getting into uh, our topic this week, we've got a, uh, a Mortal Kombat movie coming out this week, uh, yes. as of this recording anyway. And so I wanted to bring you on to talk about uh, Mortal Kombat. What was your first Mortal Kombat game, John? Uh, I would say Mortal Kombat 2. Mortal on Kombat the, 2. On the Nin Super Nintendo. Throwback. And who, if I might ask, uh, is your go-to guy? Who's your, who's your, who's your fighter? There's a huge, uh, there, for a long time, it was Sub-Zero for a very long time. But in the recent games, it's uh, it's Luke Kang. Nice, nice. Yeah. But Sub-Zero all the way. I always loved him. Uh, but one thing I like about Scorpion is to get over here, of course. Like, you know, oh, of course. It's, it's iconic. iconic. It's iconic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think with Mortal Kombat, I've always been a Johnny Cage guy. Um, yeah. I just, you know, it was one of the first really cool moves when I figured out how you could get him to like punch people in the dick. And yeah, not punch. Yeah, oh, that was so like fun. so fun. It's just, and he's he's hilarious. But the, ca um, the charismaticness of him and his confidence made me want to play him too. Yeah, it's yeah. he is he is magnetic, is what he is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I when I was getting ready to like do this, I was like, okay, I got to go back through the list just to make sure I don't miss any. And there's like over a dozen games in this series, mm -hmm. um, including spinoffs and the mainline game and everything like that. And my first uh, or my favorite game out of the series, and I know that this might uh, raise an eyebrow from longtime Mortal Kombat fans uh, who are fans of the main series and only the main series, mm. but my favorite Mortal Kombat game is actually Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks. Now, Shaolin Monks is not your typical Mortal Kombat game. No. For those of you who aren't aware, uh, Shaolin Monks is basically like an action uh, action adventure RPG where you take you take on the role of Liu Kang and Kung Lao and you basically play through the events of Mortal of like the end of Mortal Kombat 1 and then the events of Mortal Kombat 2 and I just remember loving this game I remember just having a blast going through the world you know running up on people and just uh, being able to get into fights that didn't that use like some of most of the mechanics of the original Mortal Kombat games, but like looked completely different. You'd run around, you'd fight, um, 
You'd fight minions, you'd go uh, traverse different areas. It was a fun time. And so this game was released in uh, September of 2005, way, way back. And uh, it was originally released on uh, the PlayStation 2 and Xbox by uh, Midway Games. This was before NetherRealm was like the studio. And this was, uh, it was just a fun game. Like looking back on it, you know, having the... um, having the main characters of a, you know, triple A action game be, you know, Asian characters was kind of, was kind of like not necessarily unheard of at that point because we mm-hmm. had gotten like the big push for like Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts and stuff, but like having, you know, picking up a video game and it's two Asian guys who are very clearly and distinctly Asian on the cover. Yeah. It's like a huge deal. And I remember just having a blast with this, um, going through fighting Shang Tsung, going, I think you fight Kentaro as well, and you get that whole tease with, um, uh, oh god, what is his name, the, uh, the sorcerer, not Shinnok. Uh, oh, Quan Chi. Quan Chi. At the yeah. end, Quan Chi teases Mortal Kombat 3. It was just a great retelling of the first couple games in the series. Yeah, especially if you can't like follow through the follow line uh, through Mortal Kombat 1 and 2. It definitely connects connects them a little bit better. Yeah, and like it's, I think it was before Mortal Kombat Trilogy came out because mm-hmm. that kind of tells the story of the first three games. But yeah. I'm a sucker for like just action RPGs and it's... Um, it's a reason why I enjoy another game that is in this, uh, in this series. John, do you want to mention what your, uh, your favorite Mortal Kombat game is? My favorite Mortal Kombat game is Mortal Kombat Deception. Yes. Um, not just because of, of like, you know, the fighting, it's a Mortal Kombat game. The character designs in it are amazing. Sub-Zero's like cryo armor that he has. Oh, so Awesome. So cool. And all the different fighting modes you can pick from, but like uh, fighting styles, I mean. Uh, But the main reason is, of course, Conquest. Uh, The Conquest portion of that game, like you talk like RPG elements that that is just it was so fun to walk around in Earthrealm as a character uh, named Shujinko. Tell me a little bit about the story of this game and really what kind of went into this and what kind of sets it apart from other games in the series. Okay, so, um, like, you know, the first uh, evil villain was Shang Tsung, right? Right. Like, Shang, Shang Tsung's Island, all this stuff. Then you go to Shao Kahn, and then you realize Shao Kahn's not the first leader of Outrealm. The first leader of Outrealm was called, his name was Onaga, and he was a dragon. Now, Mortal Kombat, uh, um, when it was released in 2004, it, uh, like, you know, it was just very fresh into the 3D kind of aspect still. But they really went for it. And in this, Shujinko uh, and Onaga, they have like this kind of symbiotic relationship because uh, Onaga realizes like he gets trapped in this, uh, in this, like imprisoned in this other realm mm-hmm. and he has to be reborn. He's essentially immortal, but he has to get born from an egg, which is a dragon egg. But you also have to go find these things called the uh, Kamidoga or Kami Doju. Uh, I think it's uh, it's one or the other. Uh, it's hard to pronounce. Um, <laughs> now, he realizes that Shao Kahn was the one that pretty much betrayed him, and uh, so he wants to get reborn to enact vengeance on Khan. So he finds the White Lotus Monk Society, 
uh, that was created by Raiden, as we all know. Um, and he finds an up and coming monk there named Chujinko. And uh, o Onaga, his essence appears before him and claims to be an elder god named Dam Damashi. And he convinces the monk to embark on this quest to help the gods uh, by going to each realm and collecting these uh, Kamidogu. And he has to go to uh, this place called the Nexus, which is like the center of all realms where they all connect. So we had to go like the Chaos Realm, the, the sh uh, Shadow Realm, <laughs> the Saint. The Shadow Realm. <laughs> the Shadow Realm. Sent to the Shadow Realm. <laughs> A part of Green. Seto Kaiba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he had to go to like the Chaos Realm, all like all six of these realms that took him those 42 years uh, to collect. And he had to place them all there. And uh, once he placed him on the Nexus, which is that connection between all worlds, um, it, he resurrects Onaga, who, um, you know, as, as I was saying, um, totally just baffles Shujinko. And that's when he makes the ultimate like decision to be like, okay, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take it down. Because after this, uh, when Onaga is reborn, he goes to, to Shao Kahn and he's like fighting Raiden. There's a Shang Tsung there. All these, like a whole bunch of people are there. And Raiden sees Onaga and they try to beat him. They try to beat him up, but they can't affect him. So Raiden essentially kills himself by exploding. Like nukes, everyone. Everyone dies except Onaga, who's barely phased by it. Because the only one who can beat him is Shujinko. Uh, using the power of all, of, uh, all the fighters that were in that area. Well, not that area that he met or like talked to or fighters that had lived or would live before him or something. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot. The, the, there's there's a lot that happens in this game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's not even talking about what Liu Kang was up to, <laughs> which was trying to get his friends revived. Uh, thanks to uh, thanks to Ermac. He was trying to talk to Ermac about getting his friends revived. You yeah. Because weird. What's up? Uh, while I was researching, I forgot this, but Onaga was reborn in an egg. Mm -hmm. But he also merged with the green ninja reptile. That's why he came out like more reptilian and dragon-like too. God, I, I forgot that. It's been so long since I played that game. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but Raicho is one of the best characters ever. So <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> and uh, you just get to go through this whole entire story where he's um, basically tricked into releasing Onaga into the world after 41, 46 years of looking for these things for him and you get to watch his journey, you meet Bo Raicho. It's just something that a Mortal Kombat game hadn't hadn't done before at all. And then you get to watch like this character you're playing as grow up into this old man and then just watch his downfall. And even you feel like the first time playing it, uh, you feel like, oh, I... I messed up. <laughs> like, like, did I, did I do something wrong? No, was, you were tricked. You thought he was an elder god, um, but you you get tricked, and it's just this great story about a man who uh, ends up, you know, failing uh, humanity, and then has to. He's the only one that can fix it. Yeah, man, and like I said, you know, Deception was probably the first Mortal Kombat game that I ever played. And I remember just falling in love with Shujinko as a character. Yeah. Just like, apparently, like going back and like looking at reviews and like listening to people talk about it, like Shujinko was like not, 
not well received at all. Yeah, he wasn't, remember, he wasn't popular, huh? Yeah, and I just yeah. I remember remember just being baffled by that because I thought he was such a cool character. Him being able to learn other people's uh, techniques, and exactly using the power from all the other other yeah. uh, fighters, basically. Like, and just, that was so cool. And it was a story about you know is in the same and i i know i'm comparing apples to oranges here but it's you know a very similar story to like a shadow of a shadow of the colossus where you're like sent through to like collect these things under false pretenses and at the end you get tricked by this malevolent force yeah and it was really the um the game deception and uh shaolin monks both were part of what i think a lot of people consider like the the prime timeline of mortal Kombat. yeah so like uh i i did research and stuff and i watched a few videos just to like prepare for for this conversation um just to refresh yeah yeah so like um it made me remember like you know deadly alliance and how that started the opening to deadly alliance is messed up dude it's like, wild dude he just go in there and break Liu kang's neck <laughs> yeah man just grab him and break it and that's it and then uh but uh, yeah, the prime timeline is what uh, Deception is is a, a part of, definitely. And then Raiden sends a message back in time to the first Mortal Kombat, and he's like, he must win. And it's like his medallion's like shattering, and he's like, who who's supposed to win? It ends up having to be Shao Kahn and not Liu Kang. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's super wild. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny, because like I remember growing up with Mortal Kombat being very... Um not like simple because there was lore and there was like a world building and all this stuff yeah, but it was fairly it straightforward in what it didn't they were feel doing. very linear to me though like it felt like right. it jumped around definitely or i was just too young like, to follow the follow the line maybe yeah. yeah but i don't remember it ever being like confusing or like doing hmm. different like timelines or anything like that but when the game came back when the series really kind of hit the hard reset after Armageddon, which was like, I think the biggest Mortal Kombat game. Yeah. Featured basically everybody. Everybody, even zombie Liu Kang. And yeah, like it brought them all back to life and then they were all there. And that's where uh, I think that's where Raiden sends back the the message back in time. And that's where you get the game after Armageddon. Yeah, which is uh, which is just called Mortal Kombat, though. It's also called Mortal Kombat 9. Yeah. But that was like the big like soft reboot of the series, and mm -hmm. that was like neck and neck for me. What my what my favorite game was going to be between the two? Because again, I'm a sucker for the retelling of like the first two or three games, because I feel like that's really where they kind of they kind of knew what they were doing when it came to the story. Like it was yeah. simple, it was straightforward. It's like a tournament to decide like who lives and who dies. Didn't blow up into this huge multiverse kind of like thing that all these characters resurrecting, coming back and then dying. And then, you know, what, wait, wait, he's back kind of thing. Yeah, man. So like as as we kind of shift our focus from from the games, we have a Mortal Kombat film coming out this week. Now, Mortal Kombat has a uh, a pretty a pretty storied history when it comes to uh, film adaptations. Oh yeah. Um, I wa I rewatched these recently. And... You rewatched both of them? Yes. <laughs> and cool, man. The first Mortal Kombat was an absolute trip, man. Like going back and watching the first Mortal Kombat was a practice in um 
trying to dumb yourself down to enjoy something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you you go. <laughs> well, it's into... just for the fights. Just for the fights. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like you you have to um you really you have to you know the term is turn your brain off and just enjoy the film mm-hmm. and when it comes to the that first mortal combat it was kind of it was one of those um one of those films that you're almost surprised it got made it came out in uh that's, uh, uh, that's like the street fighter movie for me exactly that, exactly. Me. that film is a trip in itself yeah. too <laughs> it's a whole different thing <laughs> but this was and this was kind of in that same vein of like the early to mid nineties movies that were just like, Hey, kids like fighting games. They're going to, they're going to jump all over this. I'm going to love this no matter what. For sure. Right. They're just kids. <laughs> <laughs> and so the first, the first Mortal Kombat film came out in 1995, which makes me feel incredibly old thinking about that. Um, it was directed by uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. And it's it had a pretty interesting cast, to be honest. Like the the cast features uh, Christopher Lambert as Raiden, one of the just most ridiculous casting <laughs> of all time. Like I don't know who decided to cast him, but him being Raiden is hilarious. Yeah, because he goes from this weird, like very stoic and godlike to at times just being like, yeah, I don't know, man, I'm just Christopher Lambert. I'm just here. Remember Highlander? We had a trip, man. That's so weird. (laughs) Yeah, but like this was also the film that gave us uh, and I want to make sure I say this correctly. uh, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa as Shang Tsung. Mm hmm. And that is like he is the one character who I remember from this movie, who I remembered even yeah. without needing to like rewatch it. You know, he was a good Shang Tsung. You know, it's like uh, you when I think of that movie, you think of your soul is yeah. mine. It's that image it replays in everyone's head when they think of that movie. I think. Yeah, when they think of that movie, when they they think of Shang Tsung, like that's yeah. who they picture, mm-hmm. and that isn't to say that. Th- they don't have good, um, and I say good, as in like people trying their best in the cast. Yeah. Like uh, Robin Shu is playing uh, Liu Kang, and he is trying his best. He is a full blown martial artist, and he is really, really trying. Um, Goes for it. <laughs> yeah, man. And we've got like a bunch of different, um, different uh, actors playing characters that I just. I mean, it's 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 bad. It's really it's bad. It's bad. I mean, like, Sub Zero and Scorpion themselves aren't they played by you know non Asian actors? Yes, and that's yeah. the thing that sucks about like a lot of these um, video game to film adaptations is like, mm-hmm. especially in the early to mid nineties, you know, it was basically like, all right, let's take this popular you know Asian product and just fill it with white people, which is like. Yeah. I mean, it's how the industry was at the time. And thankfully, we're kind of moving away from that. But this film does feature uh, some pretty interesting fight choreography, which I liked, Mm -hmm. but also did um, some very strange changes to the characters like Scorpion's um, his little like grapple thing like comes out of his head a mouth (laughs) like a mouth opens up when it's hands next to him. Yeah, that is weird. 
Was that was that the one where or am I thinking of Annihilation when it, when so, like someone pulls a gun? I think it's Sonia. She pulls a gun on Sub Zero and he like grabs it and it freezes over. Is that is that the first movie? I think that's the first movie. Yeah. Okay. Because they're like standing next to each other and that's when Sub Zero and Scorpion make their first appearance on that boat. Yes. The boat yes, is just yes. weird to me in general. <laughs> well, and the whole premise yeah. of this, right? So getting into like getting into this film it's so weird because the the way that all these characters come together is very odd it feels very <laughs> 90s like yeah. johnny cage love johnny cage to death but his story here is basically just like hey you want to be in a movie nah i want to go fight to the death <laughs> for the fate of the realm and it's like, i used to be a martial artist let's see what i got still hmm. yeah <laughs> and like the acting is terrible it's just you come there for the fights and thankfully yeah. for the most part the fights are okay i still i still try to watch this most recent time i was watching it and i was thinking to myself like the fight between specifically the one that sticks out to me for some reason is johnny cage versus goro yeah now i same same here now there is a moment you know when johnny cage like pulls out his like his signature move he does the splits punches goro in the nuts and he is fairly close enough to this like cliffside that he could just knock him over yeah but he like punches him in the nuts and then just runs away and i'm like what are we doing here <laughs> splits punch gets out <laughs> Like, you're not going to win the fight like that. You can't yeah. just like, but overall, I think the film, you know, accomplished what it needed to do. It kind of got mm -hmm. in and got out. It's not a terribly long film, which is no. great. It goes by really quick. Like, yeah. oh, when, but uh, before we get away from the fights, I, I like the Scorpion and Johnny Cage fight. I think Johnny Cage fights are usually like what I like the most. <laughs> Yeah, if if nothing else, they are they are entertaining because mm -hmm. you basically have this guy who is just like, yeah, I did stunts for a couple of years. I can fight to the death, yeah. and you just progressively watch him become more and more overwhelmed by things. Yeah, that's perfectly portrayed. in in like 2019, they made um, Mortal Kombat: Scorpion's Revenge. Yeah, like it's the same premise. They get on the boat and they go uh, they go to the island and everything. And Johnny Cage you see that progression of him just getting in over his head and he's like, Oh, Oh no, <laughs> this is, this is real. Yeah. Well, and, le and let's talk about that. So Mortal Kombat has uh, also had a couple different animated films. The first mm -hmm. one I'll, I'll basically just kind of gloss over here because it's not really, it's not really anything. It's called the journey begins. It was in uh, released in 1998 and it's basically essentially that boat ride. But it's like just a the boat. Just the boat. It's just the boat ride, and so it's a prequel, taking the like designs and stuff from the characters in the film, and basically just going through the boat, and the film is kind of framed by Raiden, kind of telling the uh, the story of everything. But it's still like it's literally nothing. But yeah. you know, Scorpion's Revenge, I would say, is much better. Because it came, you said it came out 20, I thought it was 2019, maybe 2020. Okay, yeah, it says uh, early 2020, so like April. -ish. Yeah. So right around this time last year, and Scorpion's Revenge is actually real good. Like, it is, I was it is really good. 
voice acting, uh, like everything down to the animation, the fighting. Oh, that's yeah, beginning man, though. Like, <laughs> dude, and they have Joel McHale as Johnny Cage, like inspired oh, casting. God. For those of you who are fans of Community, like Jeff Winger yes. as Johnny Cage, like that's, that's so fun. It's perfect, and you have uh, Steve Bloom, who's a very accomplished voice actor playing Sub Zero, mm-hmm. uh, Robin Atkin Downs as Kano and Shinnok. Like it's a great cast, and unfortunately, most of the most of the films kind of try to center around the uh, the first the events of kind of like the first game, mm-hmm. and so when we get to films that don't involve the events of the first game, we yeah. get Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I think the formula of the first game is just so it's so it's easy, you know. It's a it's a it's a fighter tournament and an a tournament and an anime. Like it's it's so easy to like you know base it around that. But when you get to Annihilation, like what's this about, Nightwolf? What are you doing? Liu <laughs> Kang can become a dragon. Like it's. It's strange, man. And so uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation came out two years after the original Mortal Kombat film. Mm-hmm. Um, it was directed not by Paul W.S. Anderson. It was directed by John R. Leonetti. And you can tell because this film is garbage. Like it's as like so, so bad it's good as the first movie is. The second movie is so bad it's bad. Like yeah. they only retained, I believe, two people from the original um from the original film and that's uh Liu Kang and Katana and literally everyone else is recast yep. and the biggest change for me out of all of them was Raiden because they changed over to James Remar and James Remar is Raiden is so strange yeah. like the rate the journey of Raiden in this film right is like everybody you know they beat shang Tsung at the end of mortal kombat one shao Kahn comes out at the beginning of mortal kombat two mercs johnny cage immediately and it's like instantly all right bye i'll see you guys another realm and like just leaves and so raiden is basically going to the elder gods and raiden's like hey like you guys need to help us out and the elder gods are like no and you can't help them out either and raiden's like okay i'll give up my powers and it's so the editing strange. of the elder gods is so funny <laughs> talk about it T- tell me so bad like uh from what i remember it's just like fire effects around a dude or something like that. <laughs> it's just, and the other one I can't even remember. They just look like a, a brush of wind. Like it's just so. There's one moment. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. I used to watch a lot of movies, like a lot when I was a kid. Like the same movie a lot. I watched this one like 20 or 30 times, at, as a kid. I, I, mean, I think it. we all did. Like a more yeah. than a couple times. For like I didn't like realize this. how bad it was until I got older. But um, when I even when I was younger, I noticed something. Uh, Sub Zero's flying across this ravine, right? He's like uh, surfing on his ice. You can see the metal thing holding him up so clearly oh, as I he's flying over this cavern into into Liu Kang, I think, or is it into smoke? The robots looked great, like the <laughs> Cyrax and all them. They look pretty good for <laughs> for what they should be. But man, the, just seeing those little mistakes are was hilarious to me. Now, this film, like, eventually, you know, gets everybody together. It also introduces characters like Jax and Shinnok, um, who, I mean, it's... After, after Sonya Blade breaks him out of the prison, 
Yeah. Arms. And Jax and is like, the... he she has lived. like the metal arms and yet they're like casts for his arms and they're not metal. It's, mm-hmm. it's baffling. Like the choices that they made for this. It's yeah. so strange, but oh, remembering when, things. when uh, they started to basically after the film came out, it was universally panned. Like it was, real real bad and after uh the after the super poor reception they basically said okay we need to put this on ice for a little bit we're not going to talk about this we're not going to make these films for a while and then in um let me get out my notes here so in uh what year was it so in 2010 2010 this brings us to uh kevin tanka rowan i hope i said that right if i didn't say that right i apologize mr kevin um he released an eight minute short film called mortal kombat rebirth Hmm. now john you know about mortal kombat rebirth we talked about this recently this was basically an basically a short film that was supposed to be a proof of concept and was essentially going to be a kind of like a gritty reboot an alternate version of the mortal kombat universe kind of brought more into like a grounded um it's like a more grounded uh version of events features uh michael j white as Jax. uh it has jerry ryan as sonya blade and anthony dale as uh hanzo Izashi. um and more or less it's just they are going after uh basically um Jax and I believe Hanzo are going after Reptile and Baraka. And once again, my boy Johnny Cage gets murked like fairly early on in this <laughs> by Baraka. Of course. Um, but this was supposed to be like a more or less a proof of concept for what they could do with uh, the Mortal Kombat franchise. Yeah. It's like a, a, a palette or like a over um what's it called? An outline for what yeah. you what, what's it, that it's a doable and it's doable so you can do it good. Like yeah. it doesn't have it doesn't have to be tacky costumes and all that stuff. It 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 can be what, you know, the games portray it as. Right. Like serious and not like, you know, as silly as they were making it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just remembering the ending battle of Annihilation, and it's just Montaro and the, the Minotaur guy. Oh God! It all just made me so mad. <laughs> the weird triple-headed dragon that Shao Kahn was. Oh, okay, that's yes, yes, and it looked yes. like gross. It looked like he had a condom on his head or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so as as time went by, basically uh, New Line Cinema took this uh mortal Kombat rebirth film and they were like we like what you're doing here so they hired on tanker rowan to create a a brand new mortal Kombat, kind of spinning out of this film and as the next couple of years went by unfortunately it stalled more or less um, yeah they, wasn't there supposed to be like a youtube series or something yeah it was like a that? web series called mortal Kombat legacy that just yeah. kind of like you know puttered and I heard about it and I was like, I can't wait to watch it. And then I never heard about it again. And I was like, mm, all right, I guess it's not there. It's like, all right, this was fun, guys. I guess we're just moving on. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, in August of 2015, James Wan signed on to produce 
this new um, Mortal Kombat film in whatever it's form it was going to be in. Uh, director Simon McCoy was brought on with uh, Greg Russo writing the script. And eventually, we got what is now going to be known and released this week in the U.S. as Mortal Kombat. Now, John, you are a longtime Mortal Kombat fan, if we haven't established that already with going through all of John's uh, highs and lows when it comes to the series. Uh, (laughs) What did you think about, because we... You know, we talked about when the uh, when the initial trailer came out, you were super freaking excited about it. Yeah. So tell me what you thought when you saw the first trailer and when you kind of saw the vision of what this is going to be. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to keep away from it as much as possible to like, you know, make sure spoil. Like, I think I know what it's going to be about. It's going to be about <laughs> Mortal Kombat. But I'm like trying to keep spoilers at bay, that kind of thing. Uh, but when I first saw it, I was... I was like blown away. It looks great. Um, the even down to the special effects, like you know, everyone talked about the blood dagger from the ice, you know, that yeah, went man. The, it's in wild the video, in the trailer. Oh my goodness, it looks so good. And it just to me, it feels like it's going to be the movie we've been waiting for in a way. Um, sadly, one thing that's going to kind of take me out of it though is Johnny Cage isn't going to be there. Yeah. Apparently, that that and he was. Um, he wasn't like just the comedic relief. Um, he's a little bit of the heart too. Like Luke Kang's the heart, but um, Johnny Cage was like, you know, comic relief. And he was kind of like, you know, well, you get to watch that guy grow. He's our implant for like a famous person or whatever. Yeah. Um, but still, I think it's going to be really good. And I've I've heard people say it's it's really good already for people who were able to view it. I think someone said like it's already getting good um reviews yeah because it's Um, already released internationally and people seem to really really enjoy it for what it is i mean it's it's mortal Kombat. i thought um i thought it was coming out last week on the 16th oh no or two days ago and then i looked it up and i was like oh no it like Ah. i went got my i went got my favorite food i like i put on hbo no where is it (laughs) And it made me so sad, but uh, I, I'm I'm really pumped to watch it. Uh, yeah, what, man, me too. What did you think of it? Like, um... so I I will profess that I am nowhere near the kind of uh, kind of Mortal Kombat aficionado that John is. But when I heard that they were going to be making a new Mortal Kombat film, and that it was going to feature a mostly Asian cast for the characters, I got super excited. Very true. Because most of the characters that are in these games are in fact super Asian. Asian. I don't know if I don't know if people I always know, thought Raiden was gonna be Asian, but no. It's... <laughs> what a concept. These Weird. characters, you know, who, who are named God. Hanzo Hazashi is an Asian man. <laughs> Strange. <What? laughs> but I the biggest kind of champion of this film has been uh Lewis Tan who plays mm. someone named Cole Young in the film. I have no idea who this character is. He hasn't appeared on any uh, games as far as I know. Cole Young? Yeah, he's what? playing an unknown character from what we can tell. But there are characters that we recognize. Raiden's mm. there, Sonya's there, Kano, Jax. Jax is played by uh, Makan Brooks, which is awesome. We have Ludi Lin playing Liu Kang, which is just so cool. And we have the legend himself Hiroyuki Sonata as Scorpion like 
I'm what super. A, what excited a great cast! Like, I uh, from what I see, uh, you know the guy. Um, I did look at the cast a little bit. The guy, uh, Do- Joe Taslim, I mean, I, I believe mm-hmm. he was in. Uh, he's in this franchise called The Raid. Yes. Um, and like, man, the Raid movies are so good. So I think good. They're, I think they're filmed in the Philippines, or um, I can't remember. I don't know if it's the Philippines, but um, uh, the, like the choreography is so good in it. And like, man, if they bring any of that kind of stuff into it, they must have watched those movies and seen him in it. And then, uh, like, um, I believe it's uh, Indonesia. Indonesia. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I my friends recently showed me Raid One and Raid Two. Yeah. And man, the choreography is so amazing in that. And uh but what surprises me, I haven't heard of most of the people on this cast. Like Which is awesome. Uh, like I it, yeah, it's a bunch of new upcomers. This could be uh their like big breaks. And as you said, mostly Asian casts, which is something that's you know needed. <laughs> and it's before uh it's before the Marvel movie. Um uh what's Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Yeah. 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 It's it's gonna be a big move. It's gonna be a big year for uh for Asian-led action movies, which I'm really excited oh, yeah. about. Yeah. Um are you uh do you have any expectations for the film? Are there any uh anything are there things that you really want them to get right in this film? Because I know there are a couple things that I want them to get right. Like they've already talked about there will be fatalities, and I really want them to sell how brutal yeah. these fatalities are. I, same here. Um, don't don't pull the punches. This is Mortal Kombat. If anything, this is a rated R movie. You could make it rated X. <laughs> like just and like go ahead and do it. People will still go and see it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's just a meaning of keeping to the source material and um, the fact that they made an all uh, almost all Asian cast and like they seem to be getting casting right. They're being inclusive and they're not um, totally changing up anyone's characters from what I can tell. Uh, I think as long as they stick to not stick to the script, but just, you know, people want to see Mortal Kombat. They don't want to see what um, later Mortal Kombat became, which is like convoluted multidimensional stuff. They want just the the boat and the island and the fights. Um, <laughs> gotta have that boat, man. You gotta yeah. have the boat. I don't... Every, everyone has the boat. <laughs> now, I don't know if it's gonna be that because maybe people, they were like, hey, it's a tired uh it's like a tired plot line now but i don't i don't think so when you're reintroducing a franchise like this to the world years later um show them what the original source was don't don't change it too much it'd be like um i don't know uh making spider-man a a college student instead of a (laughs) now hold on a high school hold on (laughs) for a second College Spider-Man is the best Spider-Man. No, old, older Spider-Man is the best Spider-Man. Out of shape yeah. Spider-Man is the best Spider-Man. Oh, yes. Everyone knows that. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I think the film's going to rock. I'm really excited. They they have talked about, like, Lewis Tan has been seeing the praises of this film, mm-hmm. of its production, of its cast for a very long time. Oh, Just yes. The, 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 uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, go ahead. Uh, but also what I'm looking for, like I I'm looking forward to is, is those fights, not just the fatalities, but like, uh, not too many cuts, but like, just like straight up fighting, maybe one shots here and there, like really get into that and make them long. Don't make them like a lot of movies. Um, when they're setting up this big finale thing, 
uh it's like a bunch of short short fights and then one long fight at the end like i'm, I'm down for some long fights after long fights it's like the uh like the godzilla movies have been doing they've been doing great at making um both the human side uh like uh you know passionate and stuff but the fights and the monster fights they bring a lot of attention to it for sure it's good because that's what it's about and this is about mortal Kombat. It's, it's uh it's not about the it's about their backstories and why they're there but um and the I passion think, is done through the fighting yeah and i think the um the people behind it and the people who uh kind of put this together have really been championing like the real uh martial arts prowess of their cast which i think is cool awesome. like That's we've been so getting cool. a lot of um interviews and stuff uh talking about just how much hell they put their bodies through to make sure that they could make this look as legitimate as possible, which is super yeah. cool. And I'm just really excited for, um, for this movie to come out. Um, it is going to be a bloody, you know, spectacular time and we're going to get some wait. serious Mortal Kombat goodness. So, um, kind of as we're being sub-zero fights oh, dude man. it's it's gonna be great man like i'm i'm super excited I, all they have to do they have hmm. to just be better than the first two exactly and that's out. not a big so low bar you, you, don't, you don't have to it's as long as you're a little bit better <laughs> cover the metal bars or swinging from hey <laughs> don't have luke kane turn into a dragon especially a european dragon <laughs> i love i love how much that bothers you that dude it bugged me so much <laughs> especially the scene where he realized he has anamorphics or whatever in his body and uh night wolf is standing over him and like he's flashing around have you seen that meme that's like oh no oh gosh oh no oh no and it's just like flashing around yeah and it's it just that's what it reminds me of like what's going on luke kang are you you're having a stroke are you like, okay <laughs> dude and there's like a white wolf standing over him the night wolf's like walking around him talking it's just cut really weird um <laughs> one thing in this movie though uh do you think because in the past, Mortal Kombat has been known to put like these little teasers or like little jokes inside of them. Do mm -hmm. you think the guy that says Toasty is going to be in it? Like, you know, when, I hope so. Out of nowhere, I hope someone just comes out and says Toasty. And just kind of like runs away. <laughs> yeah. And everybody like I'm stops watching. what they're doing and just watch this guy like run away. And then they get yeah. back into it. <laughs> I mean, it could. It could. You never know. Honestly. That would be that would be pretty cool. Like, you know, Ermac uh, spelled on the screen somewhere or. Uh, I loved all those little things. Yeah, man. Like as 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 terrible as some of the Mortal Kombat films have been, they are, in essence, giving um, giving proper credence to the series, which is fun. Like they include little stuff like that. Um, but as we wrap up here and we start to kind of look to what could be next for the mortal kombat series we currently have a mortal kombat game that's out right now it's mortal kombat 11 mm -hmm. which is going on uh with like it's got tons of dlc characters it's got plenty of um guest characters as well uh are there any future mortal kombat um mortal kombat games that you would like to see or anything that you'd like to see covered in maybe like a sequel film to this to this upcoming one um 
I currently this franchise that's been out since Mortal Kombat 9, this new timeline has been great. I really, really like it. The end of Mortal Kombat 11 was so good because Luke, like, I don't know if you've gotten through to the end. Have you? I I haven't, but I will I will allow okay. you to spoil this for me. I won't, but I, I won't spoil it too hard. But Luke Kang, Luke Kang finally gets some like justice. Like he gets treated right. <laughs> you know, he doesn't get beat up. He doesn't lose. Like he well, unless you lose a lot and you give up. Um, <laughs> like I almost did. Uh, and um, but he gets like he gets what he deserves because he's he's an amazing character. And that's why this series has made him my new favorite character. Um, like Mortal Kombat 10, I was really into Johnny Cage and all that. Uh, and then, um, you know, Brandon so Cassie and everything. This too. time, this time, Luke Kang is just he's such a playable character and like all his combos rule. But his story in this one is great. And Aftermath, the DLC that came after was I didn't get it till like last week and I beat it already because it was just so enticing and like the animation was so good. You can see the emotion in these characters. Shang Tsung's character was amazing. Such a good villain in, in Aftermath. And uh, for him, like barely being a part of the first half of that game, like first actual game portion of it um, was incredible to watch. It was really cool. Um, and then... Uh, but yeah, it adds a bunch of characters, all that stuff. Um, what I would like to see is just a continuation of how great that's been. And, um, you know, Liu Kang basically becomes, I don't want to spoil it for listeners or you. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's just so good though. Because uh, like they set up for the next game. Like, yeah. And I'm looking forward to what that setup is. I would like to see something more like, uh, like Conquest again though. I think For conquest. Sure. I think that was an awesome thing. Like they have this whole crypt situation where you can walk through the crypt and like bust yeah. open stuff, collect weapons, like make yourself better in the crypt. But it doesn't feel as fulfilling as conquest was, because. Uh, but also that also had to do with the story of Mortal Kombat Deception. Right. Um, so they would have to kind of base it around the story itself, which is understandable if they don't want to do that. They want to stick to the, stick to the script, like I said they should do with the movies. Um, but. Another Shaolin Monks type of game would game would be awesome. Seriously, man. Like there was so supposed good. to be a sequel to it called Fire and Ice with Sub Zero and Scorpion. Oh, really? And it just yeah. And it just didn't get <sighs> made, which is unfortunate. But that I wouldn't sucks. I would be so down if you like made whether it was like a remake of Shaolin Monks they... to include other characters. Cause you unlocked other characters you could unlock um mm -hmm. sub-zero and scorpion for the story mode and then they them. also had a versus mode there where you could unlock johnny cage like man it was really fun and you could do all the combos you could do all your special moves still like you could do yeah. uh, the up down Lu Lu uh kung lao uh where he teleports you could teleport on this uh, like you know uh this platformer ish kind of game um it, it reminded me of like double dragon stuff too yes like, you know it's foreground and background that you can go between um but then you can do all the moves and stuff you can pick up swords and slice people up uh, well tarkadens up uh, yeah. there were some of them were people probably uh, i'm sure it's <laughs> right yeah i mean zombies right <laughs> but yeah i agree like i would love to see another like rpg style mortal kombat game i think the series itself has become big enough that you can sustain something like that we've Definitely. seen spinoffs into like um the injustice games with dc starting with mortal kombat versus dc universe which i think is an underrated game it is it is add great abilities in it 
underrated game that Sub-Zero's people do not. Tomb Transportation was great because so he cool. would fall back like this and come back up on the other side. The falling effects when he would fall with people and beat yeah, the hell out of each other. man. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to play again sometime. I know I'm gonna get my ass kicked, but um, mm. any final thoughts on the series as a whole? And uh, I mean, anything, any final thoughts on Mortal Kombat? I think it's been i think it's been doing great and the fact that they're making another movie about it means the franchise could stay alive and it already has for almost how long 1992 almost 20 30 years almost 30 years yeah almost 30 years it's been alive and uh, that's that's insane it's it's i think it's gonna keep going as long as people are um are playing it i mean Nowadays, I feel like it's more of a niche thing because people are really into like uh, battle royales and like co-op gaming and first person shooters. But there's like the people that love fighting games, love fighting games and they're not going to stop playing them. They're, they they love them to the point where they'll spend a million hours on the flash on Injustice 2 just so he can juggle his friends around. And uh, that, was, they... that was a very specific example, John. It's almost like you're speaking from personal experience. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, or like uh, even like Soul Calibur <laughs> series is also amazing. I, that's one of the first games I played too. It's Soul Calibur one. Uh, and like that one's been going on a long time, but I think Mortal Kombat in essence could outlast them all because Street Fighter is stuck right now. It's not going anywhere for a little bit. Um, but Mortal Kombat, I feel, can go keep going just because its characters are so memorable they're uh mortal kombat is such like an awesome title and they just kind of came up with it on a whim um because it was going to be originally called i don't know uh something it's going to be called fatality um that was one of the things uh but i think it can keep going and then what i want to see more of is just the game i love all the characters i would like to see more like renditions of different outfits and stuff but now you can do that like in just two you can get armor pieces and put them on so there's a little bit of customization going on now which is awesome for sure but i've also read on the internet that people would like a an rpg and it definitely has a potential for that um what's it called armageddon armageddon was the one that where you could make your fighter right yeah if you could do that again but like actually make it good that would be great like that's <laughs> Just, just make it good. It's, it's so just, easy. Just, just make just it good. Do it, you know, just, just make it good. I know how computers and games work. Uh, yeah. Just do it. Just, just make it do good. It. You just tap, 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 tap. You're done. <laughs> it's that easy, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I know it's, it's a complicated process, and and it takes a lot of like you know in-game politics and the entertainment and like that world, which I don't know anything about. But you know, I feel like they they can really just keep it going because it's such a great franchise and so many people love it and they will keep loving it forever um absolutely man i I could not put it better myself like mortal kombat has been mortal kombat came out the year that i was born and it has been um and i'm becoming more cognizant of that fact as every year that goes by um (laughs) and as a series it's iconic the theme song of course all of the um the characters have become so embedded in pop culture that this is a series that is going to continue to get games. This is a series that's going to continue to get film adaptations. And this is a series that is going to stick around for a very long time to come. 
It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we are reviewing episode number five of Falcon and the Winter Soldier entitled Truth. And of course, I am joined by the man who I would trust to team up with me to steal a man's shield and break his arm. Malcolm Russell Nelson. Malcolm, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm ready to break some arms. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Let's break all the arms and steal Let's their break stuff. some son of a bitch's arm let's go <laughs> let's go so right off the bat this episode starts off with just a super cool fight scene like oh man in general it, like this episode we talked a little bit off mic like what a way to start the episode like immediately yeah. carrying over the um the energy and the vibe from the ending of episode four. What did you think about this? This is why I, I, I love that because episode four ends in such a, such a way, uh, such a specific way. I love that this episode immediately picks up like maybe like three minutes later. Yeah. Like, I think that was such a great choice to immediately be like, no, like we're not done with this. Like this still needs to be something that's handled. It hasn't like passed time or anything. We see immediate repercussions in the moment of it, which I love. We see John. He, I mean, he's just run off away from the murder scene and just like ends a true up, patriot. Kills like someone and runs away, <laughs> and then just runs away. And we see him in. We see him in this like I, I don't even know what it is, like abandoned building where he's just like screaming at himself, and, like freaking out. Like he's he's clearly very on the edge. Like mm -hmm. clearly is losing it which i love and then sam and bucky come up and i'm like listen man you made a mistake like if you go in right now they may be able to like you know they'll they'll keep your record in mind like you'll be okay but you got to give us the shield and and he's just he immediately flips into action mode of just like the oh that's what this is you almost had me like that that's what this is huh you're not gonna do this <laughs> and then it's <laughs> And then it's a fight very on parallel with the fight from the end of Civil War. Yep. That Down is, to that the fact the that they use fight. some of the musical cues. Yeah. Like it has some of the same exact musical cues. And it's, it's just an interesting reversal of instead of, you know, the tech hero fighting the Winter Soldier and Captain America, it's the tech hero and Winter Soldier beating the crap out of Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah, man. Like it was... And I want to touch on a couple things that you mentioned there. Like, first off, that moment where John's like, oh, that's what this is. Yeah. Like, I got chills. Yeah. I was that. immediately I was scared. Like, oh, no. I was scared. <laughs> oh, no. Like, because of course, like, he would take that. Of course, that would be what he gets mm -hmm. out of that. Mm -hmm. And then also just the idea that Sam, just like in the last episode, goes straight to trying to talk them down immediately yeah. goes let's I, have a conversation let's talk like we can yeah. work this out and yeah. it was just it speaks to his character and then they absolutely instead of you know having a nice civil conversation they beat the holy hell out of this man but i mean to be uh, fair he beats the holy hell out of them too like he, rips he beats the Falcon's shit out of bucky's off like when he throws the shield into bucky and bucky was flying across the room it's holy shit like <laughs> and you can tell like he's going for kill shots like yeah. there are, mm -hmm. there's more than one occasion where he's, and I all of a sudden got very cognizant of the edge of the shield after yes. last week's episode. Every time yes. like he moves to like hit him with like 
Yes. The shield, I'm like, ugh. Because ah. he keeps doing it too. Like that's that's clearly it's it's whenever I play a fighting game and I learn one really good move, <laughs> and I always go to do that move as many times as possible. Cause I'm like, that's a stun move. Like I could do that. Like, that's <laughs> what him. he does. We got He's like him. stun move. <laughs> stun move. <laughs> It's great. Yeah, and there's a moment where like he kicks Bucky back into some like wiring and his arm starts like buzzing. Yeah, out. his arm like fritzes out. Yeah, it's amazing. Such a cool fight scene. Great it's a great fight. Yeah, 10 minutes of just ass kicking. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is wonderful. And at the end of it, like after getting his wings ripped off, symbolically almost, mm -hmm. Sam gets a hold of the shield and they... Do they break this man's arm because he's not that, letting go? That like, moment is amazing. The two of them pulling. It's it's again mirroring the moment in Civil War when Cap has like Tony pinned and Bucky's trying to pull out the arc reactor from his chest. It's mirroring that same exact moment. And it's such an interesting parallel. It's yeah. so specific. <laughs> and it's wild because like this is this is one of those things that you kind of expect for like a season finale kind of thing yeah. it's like that mm -hmm. these two forces have been coming up to each other and now we're gonna see them uh -huh. like actually kick each other's ass and yeah. by the end of this fight they break this man's arm you know yeah. bucky like hoists him up to his shoulder and sam uses his jet boost to like sam bashes him bash him and i'm wondering and then all now, three of them go down yeah <laughs> all of them are just laying there and bucky is the one who stands up that's He's a great one, moment. He picks up the shield and there's this moment where it's like, oh, what is he going to do? Uh -huh. Because he's been talking about how much the shield means to him, how much it, mm -hmm. you know, represents all of these things. Steve, and later on in the episode, he mentions that it's basically like the only family he has left. And he's yeah. still just, again, making those uh, Civil War parallels. He drops the shield. Yep right by Sam's face and then gives him this look like fucking take it <laughs> and he just walks away <laughs> just walks away which so is amazing. and then good. and then you get maybe my favorite Sam moment in the episode is Sam getting up grabbing the shield getting up seeing the blood on it and trying to wipe the blood off yeah and he's clearly holding back tears as he's doing it because he doesn't know what he's going to do next. Yeah. And that's such a great place for him to be in. After after this four episode journey that we've been on to this point where he's refused the call a couple of times and has gotten to the point of I think this thing should be destroyed. No one should have this thing and now he's it's back in his care and he he clearly doesn't know what to do. Like it's such an interesting place to take him. I and love it, it. And it really uh does communicate the fact that the shield means just as much to him as it does to Bucky. Like yeah. he's trying to like clean it off. Like, yeah, it is. It is a uh, it's an icon. It's something yeah. that like everyone is going to look towards. And as we kind of get into the aftermath of it with uh, Sam having this conversation with Torres, who's just popping up again for the first time. Hell yeah. Hell um, yeah. Hell yeah. Have this conversation. They mention like he ripped the wings off and everything. And then Sam goes to leave and Torres is like, oh, you forgot the wings. And he says, keep them. Hell yeah. And he goes Hell off. Yeah. Hell and, like, yeah. A couple things here. First off, <laughs> yes, we are definitely getting Falcon 2.0. We're getting Falcon 2.0. Like that's I happening. Love it. But I'm about it's it. Also, it's also really interesting because 
in the comics when uh when sam became captain america he very much like still used the wings he was still like it was still very much a part of his kit yeah so it was I'm his wondering, choice yeah to do that and i'm wondering if that is going to be something that they don't decide to do going forward with him if he's going to be like because he he was he was putting it down with just the little rocket pack on his back yeah so it would it's yeah. going to be interesting to see um especially next episode and kind of going forward from that where he goes with his like his fighting style because we saw an evolution with him in this episode so i i think that he isn't planning on it that he that he is planning on stepping away from being the falcon and being captain america but uh you know we see in this episode uh you know he he gets the big case from bucky that you know uh the wakandans Uh, you know, gave him a new favor, which is clearly a new costume, and it's clearly like sure he designed, and so oh, that's yeah. most likely still going to have wings. But he, it wasn't in his plan. But it's a nice. I think that's a. I think that's a bit of what we see at the end when he opens the case, and we don't see what's in there. We get the. Uh, we get the the Pulp Fiction moment of it him opening me the so case. Much. Yeah, I just no, want to say it bothered same. me. I, I just wanted a shot of suit. Just show I just me want, like a. I, I just need to see I a star. I really thought we were going to get I it. I just need to see a star. Like, give me that, and then we can move forward I, with this. I really thought we were going to get it in this episode. Going into this episode, I was like, okay, like, this is clearly one where Sam becomes Cap. We're going to see him in the suit at the end. And I was ready. I was ready to have my phone start looking for gifts so I could have a new phone background. But there was nothing. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> damn we gotta wait one more week for this. Seven days. Damn it. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, I think that was a bit of that recognition was that he he sees what's there and is like, oh god like it's it's both sides of me you know i can i can still have you know falcon things and still be captain america which that'll be a great little like you know keeping identity but also adding identity thing for him which is cool and speaking of identity and captain america also the fallout of this whole thing john walker gets stripped of his title and essentially stripped of his title other than honorably discharged is the terminology they're using but yes yeah everybody's basically like hey the only reason we're not like arresting you and throwing you into prison is like is because of your record your record just as sam said yeah and he like he has this great moment where he lashes out during the during the little trial tribunal i understand that i understand that and he says like and it, it gets it was like chilling the first time he said it but in this scene where he goes i am captain america there's this like oh yeah like because it, it's shivers. really scary when he says it in the fight when he's yes. like over sam right before he rips his wings he's like i am captain america and he looks manic yes. like, that's terrifying <laughs> this was way scarier when he's like i am captain america like and, and him, like, him and talking to his wife afterwards mean like oh, they have man. no idea what it means to be captain america they have no idea what it yeah. takes like he's lost it He's lost his oh, damn mind. He's far off that he has descended into madness. Like he's crazy now. He's basically like, I am Captain America, no matter how many people I have to kill to yeah. convince them. Like, it's, yeah. And then we get and then, during this scene the debut of one Countess Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Now I Holy know crap. when I saw her <laughs> pop up. There was a moment where I thought to myself, no, 
they're not gonna no <laughs> and for our uh, our listeners who might not be as familiar with uh miss fontaine can you inform us who this so, lady is the contessa uh, as she is more commonly known, is a old school shield character, um, old school Nick Fury flame sort of yeah. uh, side partner of Nick Fury. Uh, also, it is kind of the Baroness from GI Joe, but in the Marvel context. Um, <laughs> that's the best way to put her. Uh, she also uh, wound up being a Russian mole and then became yeah. Madame Hydra. Madame Hydra. So, uh, <laughs> so let's just, I mean, we, I, I was going to save this till the end, but let's just, let's just fucking go into it. Theories. I need them right now. First, first off, we need to acknowledge that the casting of Julia Louis-Dreyfus as, ah, as Chef's Contessa kiss. is so good. As Incredible. soon as like they panned up from her boots to her head, I was like, oh my God, we got Veep. Who, who is Veep playing? Oh my <laughs> Can God. I just call her Veep now? Yeah. Because that's just funny to me. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and then she said something about Val, and I didn't even catch the name at first. I heard Val and was like, oh my God, is she Val Cooper? That's <laughs> awesome. And I was like, wait, wait, she said Contessa. Holy shit. Like, yeah, uh, man. Theories, uh, she's totally, I think they're going to use her to start the Thunderbolts. I absolutely agree. I think there's, I think um, it's going to be her. I think yeah. she's going to be, she's going to be. Uh, put in a position to be kind of like the new Nick Fury, if you will, mm -hmm. um, but used in a in a in a bad context. I yeah. think she's a bad guy. <laughs> um, villain Nick Fury, more yeah, more villain Nick usual. Fury. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that'll be really interesting. Also, I would love to see her and Samuel Jackson interact. Like, yes. holy shit! Well, I just want her and Daniel Bruhl, like the two of them, That's to have the a thing. conversation. Like her and Daniel Bruhl together is going to be dynamite. Yes, especially now that we know that he is going to be just basically put into the raft. And yeah. the raft is probably where we're going to be finding some more of our Thunderbolts. Uh-huh. Let's let's get into that, too. Uh, that sequence at the oh Sokovia Memorial gosh. is a perfect... Like, if I never saw Zemo again, I would actually be really satisfied. Yeah. Like, that, that was a perfect ending for that character. Again, mirroring Civil War mm -hmm. and mirroring a little bit of... You know, at, at the end of Civil War, Zemo is ready to kill himself because he's done his mission, like he's ready to join his family. Uh, and this sort of mirrors that where he's at the Sokovian Memorial and Bucky comes up and has this showdown with him and has a gun to his head. And then, you know, I love this shot of the gun, like real close up on the gun and Bucky's hand is shaking because this is flush hand. And he's shaking and he pulls the trigger. And nothing happens. And Zemo clearly is like, I'm ready to die. Like, I'm ready for this. I've prepared for this. And nothing happens. And then Bucky holds up his metal arm and all the bullets just fall from his hand because he emptied the hand, which yes. is so sick. The symbolism of it, too, with him <coughs> choosing to spare him yeah. with his, his human arm mm -hmm. and releasing the almost the spirit of this winter soldier being a human weapon yes. with his last yes. like yeah. very yes. cool moment i do want very to, cool moment i do want to take a quick moment too and just mention that something that stuck out to me that i thought was strange and it doesn't make any sense and it's it it's really i'm sure i'm the only one that was weirded out by it um when uh after 
you know, the Dora Milaje show up and they like kind of cart Zemo away. There's this moment where Bucky's just like, I need to call in a favor. And I thought to myself, what favors do you have? What? Uh-huh. Like they, they fixed no, you up. I was, I was they... right there with you. She just told you to stay away from <laughs> yeah. her country because you've kind of pissed everybody off. Yeah, and he's like, man. Hey, so can I ask for something? Like, is this a bad time? <laughs> like, it's a little weird. I had the same thought. Yeah, it was just like, oh, okay. All right, you are really grasping at straws here, buddy. But um, but I think that ser- since it clearly isn't for him, I think they're fine with it. Yeah, that's fair. the thing. Fair. Like, I think it's uh, once they know what the favor is and making Sam the suit, then, you know, it, clearly they're okay with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and so circling back over to uh to the contessa and that scene where essentially yeah. she's recruiting him uh-huh. she's basically saying like hey there's some stuff and th- and some people who are very interested in the things that you can do uh-huh um like you, you didn't make any wrong choices i would have killed the guy too if i had a chance yeah i think you made a great choice taking the serum that's right i know about the serum like <laughs> she is super in the know and there was a yeah. moment where um and I, I wish I could take credit for this, but I have to give a quick shout to uh, Nando V Movies, who I saw ah, this on yeah. Twitter. He posited the potential um, reveal, maybe down the line, that this is, in fact, Queen Veronke. I was... I was and curious that about that my mind. Because yeah. that could also be... because. When you talk about someone with as much history as mm-hmm. Valentina de Fontaine, like there's a lot of different directions you can go. I mean, she was Madame Hydra at one point, so we could be mm-hmm. slowly marching our way towards Secret Empire. Yeah. Um, we know that a Secret Invasion show is coming, so there are a lot of plates spinning right now, and with yeah. Thunderbolts. So yeah. I am I am super excited to see where she goes, what where else she's going to pop up, because you know this isn't going to be the, the last show she appears in. So did you see the thing about that today? Hmm. She was supposed to have already debuted. Of course she was. She was supposed to be in, I'm assuming, WandaVision? No, in Black oh. Widow. Oh, she's in Black Widow. She's I in Black Widow. I did not know that. Uh huh. They after after the episode aired, there was a bunch of press, uh, like a Vanity Fair article, talking about like how she is in Black Widow, and she was supposed no. to have debuted already. And so it's amazing that they kept that secret twice, technically. Seriously, <laughs> that is really interesting. With how long they've had Black Widow ready to go, like... yes. Yes, that's wild. So I guess yeah. we are going to see her for the second time. We're going to so get we some will see her in a few months. <laughs> that's the thing. And that's the thing. I wonder if Black Widow is going to clarify because when you know that and then you watch the scene, it, it feels like we're already supposed to know what's going on with her. Right. And so I wonder if Black Widow is going to clarify a little bit of her allegiance or what's going on with her. I believe so. And I mean, that could also like dovetail really nicely into where Yelena Belova goes. Exactly. Which is nice. It's tying everything all together. Everything is connected. And I love that. It's, it's I'm the a MCU, sucker for connection, baby. Like that's so we do. So we do get a lot of wrapping up 
seemingly with some uh, plot threads that have been going for the entire show. And there's one big plot thread that I was really hoping they would circle back to. And in this episode, they finally did. After Sam gets the shield, he goes to see Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And this scene, man, like keep... when I saw the episode title was Truth, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I know exactly where we're getting it. Finally, yep. like, they're going to talk about it. Red, white, black. <laughs> I am, I, yeah, I had that same feeling. I was like, oh, come on, give me that Isaiah Bradley scene. Like, yeah. And I just I, I have a bone to pick with them. They keep teasing me with Eli Bradley. They keep showing him and they keep I having know. him do nothing. And I'm like, I know. Mother- if they don't show him at the end of this series seeing sam on television and fashioning himself his own costume i am going to riot like i i'm gonna be right there with you i'm just not expecting it to happen so i'm already planning my riot gear okay good good, 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 good. it's appropriately going to be the isaiah bradley costume is going to be right damn right (laughs) damn right We'll be two guys just wandering around in the street, just like, give us Eli, give us the Patriot. Who are these guys? Like, what are they doing? We will be the two. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But yeah, there's this incredible scene where Isaiah fully gives his story to Sam. And just like in episode two, man, this this story is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking full of emotion and yeah we get to see the potential endpoint for uh for sam in this role if he chooses to go in this direction he hit him with that killer line where he's just like no one wants a black man to be captain america and no self-respecting black man would ever choose to be captain america yeah which is i i was in tears yeah (laughs) The every line that Isaiah Bradley says to counter Sam is so good. The like when when Sam's like, "Don't pull that bitter old man shit with me," and he's like, "If you're not bitter, you're blind. Like, you know exactly what happened. You understand what happened. Every black man understands what happened. It, it is a very honest conversation, which I love. And it doesn't pull any punches either. You know, there's a moment no. where, um, you know, Isaiah brings up this idea of you know the Great White Hope. And like mm-hmm. this idea of like, you think that you can like, you think that you can fix things because you're carrying that white man's shield. And like, it's so, it's fascinating to me, like how deeply they get into these <laughs> themes. And I wish that there was more of it. That's the, yeah. that's the only like, that's yeah. one of my few problems with the show is like, I could have taken an entire series just about this that's that's the thing i idea i would love if they did a full series just about this like i would be super into that um they won't and that's okay but yeah yeah. but i I wish that they would and it's an important conversation to have and like when sam is basically sitting at the end of the scene it's it's saying to him like you have a choice like you have a choice right now like you are either going to follow isaiah's worldview and basically give up the shield destroy it whatever or you can face it and go a different direction and yes it's very interesting because one thing that they've done really well in this show is they've set you up to not know what sam is going to do 
because mm-hmm. like you've said, like each week they keep giving him more information and new information that is going to inform where he goes next with this role and with the shield in general and watching uh watching him have that conversation and then immediately he just goes home he's just like i'm not there's nothing it's just like like i'm out there's nothing else i can do i'm out for now like yeah, yeah. it was it was a little it was a little heartbreaking and then we do get uh just very quickly this uh this scene this little flash over to madripoor with uh uh-huh with sharon carter uh-huh calling our good buddy batrock the leaper uh-huh that who has not bastard. left who has not leapt at he, least the way he, that i want i was gonna say he i mean he he does leap a little he, he jumps a he's, little, a, he's a, a jumper he's a he's kicker Batrock the jumper. he's Batrock the kicker Batrock yeah. the kicker in this yeah. series yeah but yeah he she uh she reveals that she got him out of that prison that he was in uh-huh she is let's just say she's the power broker like that's in my <sighs> mind like i'm very like come on i don't be. want her to be the actual power broker i would prefer that she was working for the power broker i, I think it's kind of boring agree. if she just straight up is the villain i agree but we haven't like i if anything if they are going to set up a character to be revealed as the power broker i assumed it was going to be in this episode because maybe they did one more Mm. what if it's contessa but they keep saying he again yeah exactly they keep saying he which means it's not someone who identifies as male (laughs) i don't know i'm just they they keep throwing he in your face real (laughs) hard (laughs) well either way um Sharon is Sharon is up to some some shit, and we see mm-hmm. that Batrock is getting recruited by the Flag Smashers, who are on the run after the GRC essentially shut down the uh, the camp that was supporting them. And at this point, we could say Carly's full on terrorist now. She yep. is she's made that jump, and mm-hmm. and her boy too is just like, what are we doing? Like this is not what we signed up for. And mm-hmm. she just like dismisses him, and that sucks. Like, yeah, there was, I don't know. It it's uh, it's wonderful storytelling, but it's also like it's frustrating because you know that she was like this close to being turned away from this path by Sam. Yes, and it is uh, it's it's heartbreaking. But speaking of Sam, we do go back to his home. We go back to Nolans, baby. We get to go back. We get to find out that uh, Sarah's not selling the boat. And Sam decides, I am going to fix this. And he starts calling on the community, which I thought was really sweet and really heartwarming. Mm-hmm. And again, so character rich and so character driven yes. is this yes. episode. Yes. And it felt like, honestly, like this is exactly the kind of episode that I wanted. Like, yes, give me six episodes of this. Like, honestly, this is this is the exact this. This is exactly what I wanted this show to be this episode. Yeah, it's 100 percent what I wanted this show to be. And it's there's this great moment where they're like, you know, the community's coming together, giving <laughs> Sam parts and like help mm-hmm. and funding. And they bring this big old piece of machinery and they're like, all right, how do we get it off the truck? And it just lifts. <laughs> and then you up. just see it move. <laughs> and swear to God, it was straight out of like an early 2000s or like a CW show. And I love the shit out of it. Like, <laughs> Me too. It, Me too. It, it was so really CW. Okay, and I loved it. so like one tree hill like i was just 
oh i'm in oh give me more of this <laughs> yeah i'm down i'm down give it to me and it's more or less immediately followed by bucky flirting with sam's sister like bucky's still got that uh that first avenger charm in him somewhere and he's immediately him and sarah seem to be just clicking and sam is having absolutely none of it he is not having a good time because he clocks the instant connection and i love Uh that Uh uh-huh and another you know callback as well on whether intentional or not uh mentioning back in uh I think it was, no, it was uh, Civil War where Steve's mother's name is Sarah. And yes. Yes. Super cool. Like, going you're right. I didn't even think about that. You're things. right. But huh. yeah, it was a great, they got a great little montage of them fixing the boat together. And it was just, yeah. it was nice. I, I loved it. I love every time that Bucky has to use his metal arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even down to like the why didn't you use the metal arm he's like i i don't think of it consciously i'm right-handed <laughs> like for the first time he just says like i'm right-handed and like that's great so cool and then we get this this great scene that i i was more hyped for than i probably should have been it's the playing catch with the shield yes just you know it's that it's that you know again like late 90s early 2000s like guys just tossing a baseball to each other mm-hmm. talking about the weight of the world except it's the shield and they're just bouncing it off trees to each other mm-hmm. i loved everything about it this scene is I, fantastic I, that scene is great we finally get to see where bucky's coming from really like bucky's finally being honest and it's a really good heart to heart between sam and buck like it is it is such an honest conversation again like just a very honest conversation which and is not awesome only like seeing where buck's coming from but also sam essentially being his um kind of settling back into that role that he had at the va where he was giving people counseling and like <laughs> he gives bucky a call to action he like i love that through that so good he and again it's it's a credit to anthony mackie's a very good actor and it's a credit to his acting skills that you could see the immediate switch like in his brain when he realized like, oh, no, this is what I need to tell him. And that's yeah. when he's like, the, are you ready for some tough love? Like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> you need to do the work. Like, it, it's great. And just the way that he speaks when he's telling him that it's very counselor like, which is wonderful. And it's also very Captain America. And that's it's very what, Captain America. And that's what made me so happy about it. Cause he was basically, he was giving yeah. him, you know, like you said, that honestly, that tough love where he's basically like, you're not making amends, you're avenging. Mm-hmm. And those are two very different things. Yeah. Like they talk about like, Hey, like you, you probably have somebody who like, doesn't need you to like beat people up for them. They just need closure. They need that closure. And Bucky says, you know, there's probably at least like 12 and Sam gives him that, like that haymaker where he's like, just start with one. Mm-hmm. And which we know, we know where, where that's going. going to go. Yep. And I hate that. I hate it too. It's going to be, it's going to be heartbreaking. Bucky's going to break this old man's heart. Yeah. And I am, I am not prepared for that. No, I'm really scared. That is going to destroy me. Yeah. That scene. And I'm sure they're, they're going to fully let that scene play out. They're not going to cut away from that. I am, I am very uh, worried for my heart for this. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly. Yeah. But then they, you know, 
they kind of come to an agreement that they are partners, that they are going to part ways for now. But once, you know, Carly makes her next move, they'll come back together. And I was so happy that yeah. we got this shot because this shot of them walking away from each other has been in so many trailers. And yes. I said to myself, if this is the last shot of the show, I'm going to be mad. I really thought it was. I really thought that whole like shield catching thing. I really thought that was from the last episode. And I'm so surprised that it wasn't because now I don't. And I'm so <laughs> happy that it's not. Yeah, that's a great call to have that in the penultimate episode. That's wonderful. Yeah, what a genius move. Because we literally now have no footage that we've seen from that last episode. I think there's literally like two shots that we've seen from the last episode. And it's and that's it. Oh, that's great. I'm so excited. I'm so yeah. excited. I'm but stoked. Like as they walk away, Sam gets to work. And we get a classic training montage. Hell yeah. It's not, I be, I don't believe it was like, it's made super clear how much time has passed, but some time passes. I think like, it's probably like a couple of days. Yeah, a couple of days. Maybe I, I was going to go with like a week or two, but like maybe yeah. some, some time passes as we see this man just like get himself into Captain America like mode. You yeah. see him doing his running. He's running real, real fast. And he's doing all these, you know, flips and tricks and, yeah. you know, learning the shield. And this was the thing that I wanted and I've been talking about on the podcast forever. Uh -huh. I wanted to see him be bad with the shield. And uh -huh. watching him just like throwing the shield, it bounces off a tree and almost like take his head off. Like, what a great I love montage. it. I love it. I love the idea of a Captain America who has to work at being Captain America. That's yeah. such a great idea. And that's that's what was interesting about like Walker as Cap was like, oh, you know, they made it very clear immediately. Like he's just somehow gifted at the stuff. Yeah, he didn't have really any juice in him. Like he's just a guy. And I love the idea of like, oh, no, but Sam really has to train for it. Like Sam has to. It's what makes Hawkeye so special in the being in the Avengers yep. is that Hawkeye is up there with everybody who's already naturally talented and stuff. Even like Black Widow's got like some juice in her or whatever. Yeah. But like Hawkeye's just a guy. Well, <laughs> so he has to actively work for it and train for it. And I love that they're doing that with Sam as Cap too. Like that's awesome. Side note, can't wait for that Hawkeye series. It's going to be incredible. Hell yes. Can't wait. Uh, Haley Steinfeld. Get Bishop. Finally. Yeah, <laughs> but as we close out this training montage, we see that the flag smashers are assembling together <laughs> with Batrock in tow. He is going to he's going to be our Brock Rumlow for this final fight. And yes, he is for it. It's going to be great. Um, and the GRC is under siege by the flag smashers while they're getting ready to vote on this patch act um it's it's very much like this is oh this is like final battle like fight inside this big building like yeah yeah but i i absolutely i am so ready for it you know sam pulls out this case that bucky gave him um case opens up and you see like this face this face on him he's like he's gonna get ready to go do the work yeah and then we get a post-credit scene the first <laughs> post-credit scene in the entire show and i knew it was gonna be this episode i knew Cause yeah because that's what they did with wandavision too was yeah. the second to last episode they had a post-credit scene so i was just waiting for it i was like there's got to be something and like, i sat through these credits and i'm gonna be like, and i said if if there is no post-credit scene here i'm going to be so mad 
because we we need to see what's going on next and we get this very quick no dialogue or anything but it's a uh-huh. really quick scene of john walker getting ready for war <laughs> john making his jank ass shield <laughs> shield and there were like there were photos um over the past week of people being like why does the shield look different like Mm -hmm. there's this extra etching in there and now we know why now we know why this is going to be a different shield i don't know what he's planning on making it out of because the stuff in his garage did not look vibranium grade like he was able to hammer it yeah i can't wait for bucky to punch through this shield oh my god just yes punch through the shield yes or or we'll have that classic like shield on shield clash and Sam's shield will shatter. Will shatter John's. Yeah, John's that'd be shield. awesome. It's, it's going to be awesome, man. But yeah, we are going to see full on US agent next episode. I uh-huh. cannot wait. Uh-huh. So overall, um, what did you think of this episode? Where, and and we're going to do like, I just want to preface this and say like, we're going to, once the show is all wrapped up, we're going to do a full like show breakdown too. But yeah. do you, what did you think of this episode when compared to some of the other episodes in the season? So this is my favorite episode. Uh, really? Yeah. This, this is my favorite one of the, of the show so far. Um, I, I, I think that this one was just balanced really well. It was a nice cool down episode. Uh, again, you know, big action scene at the front, you know, high stakes, heavy emotion action scene, which I really appreciate that. And then the rest of the episode is just full heart and emotion. Um, And it's, it's, I, I love a lead up to a hero journey. And this is, this is finally it. Like Sam finally accepting the call. And it's, it's that moment where he, you know, talks about like, what, what were all the sacrifices for if, if I don't take something to do with it, you know, like if I, if I don't do something with it, that's a powerful moment. And for Sam to realize that that's where he's at now is a great big moment. I, I loved it. And I think the one saving grace from not getting that reveal at the end of this episode is the first time we see him next episode, he's going to be in the suit. He's going to be in the suit. That's the thing. Yeah. Like he is going to get this big hero entrance and I cannot wait to see it. Yeah. that would be real good. So do you have any quick theories for anything that you think is going to happen next episode to close us out here? Um, I mean, Sam and Buck going to team up, up in New York, save some people. Uh, I wish that the Senator guy was Del Rusk. I really don't think he will be. I know. Uh, they still, they still haven't named him other than Senator. I don't think, but like, and he's just been a dick. That guy's just a real dick. Like he's just a real dick cloth. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't think anything's gonna really come of that too much. Uh if anything, I wouldn't be surprised if like Walker kills that guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, good's gonna good's gonna prevail. I hope we see Joaquin show Agreed. up. In a fe- in a in a phoenix costume in a falcon costume. Oh, give me give me that green deep V, like. But it's but it's camo because it's military. <laughs> it's just all camo, but it's a deep V down to his navel, like. Yeah, and he's got the hawk mask. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Yes. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I think we'll get some kind of setup for Thunderbolt stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll find out who the power broker actually is, but there's not going to be much beyond that. I think most of it's just going to be the big action stuff in New York. Fair. 
I am going to say, I'm going to throw a wild, wild theory out there. Um, we are, we are going to get a, I, I want a big old, like, Falcon falling out of a crumbling building. Scene. Hell yeah. You know, Hell yeah. talked about, like, Captain America not possibly having the wings. He might have the wings. I want him falling off a building, and you think he gave up the wings last week, and his wings just shoot out. That's yeah. that's the scene I want. But yes, I absolutely want Joaquin as the new Falcon. Um, Hell yeah. I want Hell Joaquin yeah. to take on that role and officially call himself the White Wolf. Because they brought it up again. That'd be tight. Episode. That would be tight. Um, and I think we are going to get... Uh, I am going to say we are going to have... Uh, here we go. We are going to have um, Walker get recruited by General Thunderbolt Ross. That is what I'm going to... That is my... Okay. Point. I could see that. I could totally so, see that. So tune in next week as we find out how right or how horribly wrong we were. Um, yeah. It's going to be a wild one, man. It's going to be... A it's going to be... It's going to be a big finale. So tune in next week for that episode number six of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But for now, we're going to roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comiXology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explained Pick of the Week of last week. And for me... It was kind of a toss-up between two Marvel books, but the one that ended up coming out on top was Daredevil number 29, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cicchetto. I am loving this Daredevil is Electra storyline. Having Matt in prison as Daredevil is also super fun. The issue is gorgeous. It deals with two running storylines, three technically, if you want to count all the stuff with Wilson Fisk, but um, I'm just loving this book it's fantastic you should absolutely be reading it but that's last week's books let's take a week look at this week's books we've got one two three four seven no six books for you to pick up this week let's go ahead and kick things off with justice league number two uh 60 actually i was gonna say number two because it's the second in this new uh era this new Infinite Frontier era. Uh, this is written by Brian Michael Bendis and Rom V with art by David Marquez and Zermonico. Uh, like I said, this is the second issue in the Bendis era of Justice League. Uh, I will say the first issue was fine. I'm still uh, very cautious about getting into this because I'm worried, but I am going to give this first arc a try. We'll see what happens. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Superman, Batman, Green Arrow, Black Canary... Aquaman, and Hawkgirl join forces with Black Adam to fight an all-new world conqueror. But how do they stop the unstoppable power known as Brutus? Enter new mega-power sensation Naomi, who comes face-to-face -face with the League and brings along Queen Hippolyta of the Amazons for a blockbuster battle for the ages, with a last-page cliffhanger that will leave everyone guessing what's next. 
And in the backup tale, the new Justice League meets the new Justice League Dark, and the demon Etrigan calls the team to action. But Batman has other plans. This team needs a leader, but what twisted secrets prevent Zatanna from stepping forward? Plus, Ragman makes a startling discovery, one that may cost his life. So it sounds bombastic, it sounds fun, but um, again, I'm nervous about it. We'll see. Next up, we have The Flash, number 769. This is written by Jeremy Adams with art by David LaFuente and Brandon Peterson. And I gotta say, I really enjoyed last issue of Flash. I am still uh, not sure exactly where they're planning on going with this uh, Wally West retirement in big quotations here, but... I'm very interested in the time-hopping uh, nature of it. I like that they're kind of touching on all manner of Flash uh, history and mythology, and having Wally West be the lead really, really helps. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Blink of an Eye, Chapter 2. After an accident pushes Wally West into the time stream, the former Kid Flash lands in the body of his one-time partner, Impulse. Now sprinting through the 30th century side-by-side -side with the mysterious and, yeah, ridiculous, Gold Beetle, Wally must uncover what's causing the destructive explosions that keep propelling him through time and the bodies of other speedsters. So yeah, it's a mystery that's also fun and exciting, and I'm just happy that Wally is leading this book. Next up, jumping over to Marvel now, we have Way of X number one. This is written by Simon Spurrier with art by Bob Quinn. And this is the Nightcrawler book. This is the book we've been waiting on for a little while now. This is the next step in the beginning of the reign of X. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Way to the Future of X. Mutant kind has built a new Eden but there are serpents in this garden. Some mutants struggle to fit in. Some mutants turn to violence and death. And the children whisper of the patchwork man, singing in their hearts. Only one mutant senses the looming shadows. Snared by questions of death, law, and love, only Nightcrawler can fight for the soul of Krakoa. Only he and the curious crew he assembles, including fan favorites Dr. Nemesis, Pixie, and Blink, can help mutants defeat their inner darkness and find a new way to live. So yeah, again, very faith-driven, very, um, I'm excited. Like, I really like the combo of uh, Spurrier and Quinn, and I'm excited to see where this story goes. This feels very, like, religious noir, so I like that aspect of it. Next up, we have Superman Red and Blue number two. This is written by Robert Venditti, Chuck Brown, Stephanie Phillips, Dan Panosian, and Jason Howard, with art by Jason Howard, Dan Panosian, Aletha Martinez, Dennis Cowan, and others. I am very excited about this. I adored the first issue, and I'm very excited to see what the second issue uh, brings to the table. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Explore the world of Superman in a way you've never seen before. Five brand new stories, a visual tour de force, with only the Man of Steel's signature colors. There are tales starring Clark Kent, the original Superman, including a showdown with his most tenacious foe, Lex Luthor. But there is also a great space adventure with Val Zod, the Superman of Earth 2 going up against an amped-up version of Prometheus. And then there is Cyborg Superman, a warped reflection of the real deal 
deal with a mission as opposite to Superman's as any could be. But no matter how out there the situation gets, it always comes back to the one man and the planet he loves and has sworn to protect, and the people he inspires young and old. So yeah, um, lots of stories. I'm excited to have a Valzad story. That's great, and I can't wait to read this book for sure. Next up, we have a brand new number one. This is The Mighty Valkyries, number one, written by Jason Aaron and Torun Gronbeck, with art by Mattia de Iulis. I have been waiting for this book for a, a while. We talked about it on the podcast when it was announced, and I'm very excited to see uh, just what this book is about and really get into it. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Jane Foster gets a fresh start and allies both new and old. Jane Foster believes she was the only Valkyrie left, but the fight against Null, the King in Black, proved her wrong. Now, the Valkyries must redefine their roles in a changing world, and Asgard's not going to make it easy. When Loki comes to Jane with rumors of a beast stalking the souls of Midgard, she leaps into action. But she's not the only one after the strange wolves hide. She'll need backup, but her ancient co-worker has other priorities. Years ago, the warrior made a promise to a woman she loved, and now it's time to follow through. Get the real story behind the Marvel Universe's newest star, and don't miss the start of an all-new epic adventure from powerhouses Jason Aaron, Torun Grunbeck, and Mattia de Iulis. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and if not, I apologize. But yeah, I'm very excited about this. The art is gorgeous. I love this team. I love Jane Foster. Loki, what more could you want? Definitely pick this up. But the big book of the week for me, the book I think you should absolutely pick up is, of course, Nightwing number 79. This is written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo. Um, it's Nightwing. What did you expect? I really adored the first issue of this new run, issue number 78. Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo are doing the Lord's work, bringing Nightwing back into prominence. And I can't wait to pick this up. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Dick Grayson has inherited Alfred's fortune, a puppy, and a whole lot of questions. Who is Maya Zuko, and what is her relation to the man who murdered Dick's parents? What sinister plans does Blockbuster have for Bloodhaven? What kind of dog food is best for a three-legged puppy? To answer these questions, Dick's going to need a little help from his friends, past and present. So that makes me really excited, because... I think that when used correctly, Dick Grayson's supporting cast is just as good as any supporting cast in comics. So I'm very excited to pick this up. This is going to be uh, a really fun ride. Like I said, I love the first issue. Cannot wait to continue on in this new Nightwing run. So that's going to do it for this week's comics countdown. To recap, we have Justice League number 60, Flash number 769, Way of X number 1, Superman Red and Blue number 2, The Mighty Valkyries number 1, and Nightwing number 79. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geek Explained podcast and you like what I do here, please feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice, give us a rating and review, and tell a friend. Uh, really does help us out. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday in subscriptions, ratings, reviews. They help me out, helps the podcast out, kind of lifts us up in the podcasting space and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can join the likes of our magnificent seven, 
that being Seafire ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, and Brian. I want to say a big thank you to those gentlemen for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. And if you want to be part of our Geeksplain mailbag, you can send emails to geeksplain at gmail.com if you have a question for me, you want a, my opinion on something, a quick pitch, or make some recommendations that I haven't gotten to yet on the podcast itself. Just send those emails to me, put uh, mailbag in the subject header, and I will read them here on the podcast. Like this week's mailbag, we got a an email from Brian Rail. Please tell me if I'm pronouncing that right. I've I I just I want to get it right, Brian. Um, thank you very much, Brian, for writing in. He writes, "Hey, Eric, hope you're." Hope you've been doing well. Let me start off saying it was great hearing you show up on For Every Kind of Geek and Owen Likes Comics' most recent YouTube videos. Yes. Um, He says, bonus points for being on for some excellent themed X-Men videos. Go check those out. Uh, The For Every Kind of Geek YouTube channel. Doug has been doing incredible stuff recently, especially with his X-Men themed videos kind of going over the most recent... uh, Hoxpox and Dawn of X uh, runs by Jonathan Hickman, who's kind of running the show over at X-Men right now. His videos are incredible. Go check them out. And if you want more of Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, go back in the archives. We did an episode between me and him talking about uh, basically building up our own X-Men teams to kind of uh, celebrate the fact that the X-Men were coming back as a team. And uh, we had a great time. It built some really cool teams, so check that out. And then Owen's channel is amazing. If you if you like what I do here, you're going to like Owen's channel even more on YouTube. He is a comic book historian who knows exactly what he's talking about. Uh, Owen's got dozens and dozens of incredible videos, and his most recent one was on the Grant Morrison new X-Men run, which is iconic. It is one of the benchmarks for the X-Men in general. And uh, I got to feature on there as well in that uh, in that video. So big thank you to Doug and Owen for uh, allowing me to be on their videos and uh, go check those out. But anyway, back to Brian's letter. Uh, he writes, my question this week regards DC's new gods. With Marvel having Kieran Gillen to pen their Eternals book, who would you like to see end up writing a new gods book whenever the decision is made at DC? For the longest time, I was waiting for one to be announced, but with the news that the movie isn't going forward at this time, it looks like the synergy with the comics will have to wait. That still hasn't stopped me from thinking up some cool teams I'd like to see on the book. If I could pick anyone to write, I think I would choose Al Ewing. Excellent choice. I know he's at Marvel, but I just love the way he handles Cosmic Odyssey and Celestial Being stuff. As far as art for him, that I'm not so sure about. Those characters feel like they always need a Kirby-esque hand to guide their looks. I was also thinking Daniel Warren Johnson would be a good choice for writer-slash-art duties. A friend of mine on Twitter suggested Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda, the team behind Monstrous, and I thought that was a good suggestion. So now the ball is in your court, I guess. Who do you think could handle the all-powerful might and magnitude of the new gods? Take care and stay safe, Brian. Once again, Brian, thank you so much for writing in. Appreciate you, brother. Um... Basically, when it comes to uh, big, bombastic stuff like that, there's one name that comes to mind, and it's a name that I didn't think would be on the table. But since uh, we found out recently that they might be doing a Superman book uh, coming up here, 
I gotta go with Grant Morrison. Grant is the person who I would trust with to take the New Gods anywhere. Literally anywhere. Uh, they've covered the New Gods before in kind of the lead-up to Final Crisis, but now that the status quo has uh, kind of reset for the New Gods and DC Comics in general, uh, a lot of their run was with the New Gods and like their human bodies, quote-unquote, uh, with Boss Darkseid and all that stuff. I would love to see how Grant would tackle uh, the more cosmic versions of themselves. You look at stuff like Final Crisis, like Multiversity. I think it would work really well. For art, I think, honestly, Daniel Warren Johnson is an inspired choice. Um He's wonderful. I would also go with uh, Grant's longtime collaborator, Frank Quitely. The two of them doing a New Gods book would be incredible, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention a man who has been working, or who was working, I guess, now it's past tense, on the uh, New Gods film, Tom King. Tom King has a love for those characters. His uh, his Mr. Miracle book is one of my favorite comics of all time. And I think if they decided to go in that direction, a Tom King, Nick Darrington, New Gods book would be incredible. So uh, that does it for the mailbag for this week. Once again, Brian, thank you so much for writing in. Again, if you want to be part of our mailbag, you want to send me an email, ask me a question or anything. Send your emails to geeksplain at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read them here. But that is going to wrap up this week's episode. If you couldn't tell, um, I am nursing some kind of cold right now. I am recovering very slowly. So thank you for um, dealing with that. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. I really appreciate it. Um, Hopefully it will pass very quickly here, but I did want to uh, get this episode out because it was a great conversation with John. Uh, Mortal Kombat, as you can tell, is very near and dear to his heart, and to talk about Mortal Kombat, there is no one better to bring on to the show. Now, as we are marching on, we are almost to uh, almost to May already. We're already almost done with April. Feels like this year is starting to fly by. So um, I got some big stuff coming up for uh, for May. So stay tuned for that. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of the Geeksplain podcast. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geeksplain, this is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Wear a mask, stay safe, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.